I'm Daniel Visbicki. I'm Dave Zuliger. And this is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you listening and interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.church forward slash location forward slash south dash campus. Dave, we've got Nick Rowan with us today. Hey, Nick. Hello. Nick, as part of this podcast, we're committed to asking someone, not necessarily Dave, just a random question about uh, something, just to get our time started. Can't wait. Yeah. So, Nick, uh, are you nervous? No. Is that, that was the question? That was easy. No, that, yeah, no, that wasn't the question. Mm. So, Nick, tell me, as we survey uh, the lawn just outside the uh, conference room here, what are some of the things we're observing? Could you describe what we see? Well, <laughs> we see some grass, uh, some sunshine, and uh, we see a swarm of Japanese beetles that are currently getting caught in one of several traps that we've put out <laughs> around the church. How many, how many Japanese beetles do you think are here, Nick? Thousands. Thousands. And uh, what, what are these traps doing? Could you describe them for us, like what they look like and what, what's actually happening? They're basically a bag that's hanging on a little metal pole. And on the top of the bag, they have a... Uh, a a disc of bait, which basically uses their own pheromones to attract them and uh, lure them into the bag, and then they get caught, and apparently they're too dumb to fly out. Oh. There's some poison. There's some poison in there, too. Okay. (laughs) Too dumb to fly out, and they they get poisoned. Well, thanks for uh, caring for our lawn, Nick. It's quite a sight. Yes, it is. You you might get a chance to see it if you uh, show up at the right time, although hopefully this problem will be uh, over. So today we are talking about with Nick, uh, just a, a topic of conversation as we were thinking about it, as Dave and I were thinking about it, we thought it would be wise to just talk about, um, in kind of a retrospect, some of the biblical thoughts and texts and just the conversation among the elders about um, why and how um, you know we chose to reopen in June. Um, so this is... One where we've heard lots of different stuff from lots of different people. We've read a lot. Elders spent a long time praying and talking, and we thought it would be great if Nick was here. Uh, he's an elder and bringing an additional perspective. Um, so, guys, we reopened on June 21st, but that was later than some churches and earlier than other churches. Some churches uh, still are not uh, formally meeting in person, even in the South Metro area here. Um, for all kinds of different reasons. Um, how long did we talk about this as elders um, formally reopening? Was it like the moment that uh, that the shelter in place happened or was it even before then? Do you guys remember? Uh, I mean, it wasn't it certainly wasn't the the moment that we heard we could reopen. We've been talking about it for a long time, yeah, uh, prior to that. Do you remember exactly how long, Dave? I think we had the, a pretty comprehensive reopening plan at least three or four weeks before we actually got the green light uh, to reopen. And then obviously the, the guidelines were changing sometimes hour by hour, sometimes day by day. And so there were always tweaks being made to that plan. But we, were, we had a, a team working on it pretty early on. Yeah, I remember a chain of emails that went around between the elders just talking about kind of previewing, oh, we might need to close even before um, we had official word that that was happening or even mm-hmm. before that was really in the media or anything like that. 
And then shortly on the back end of that was conversations like, what will it look like to reopen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how are we going to do that wisely and in a way um, that builds for unity? So, Nick, you were in a bunch of those conversations as well. Um, mm-hmm. Would you safe to say that the elders, all 11 of us at South Campus, just on the same page across the board as far as how we went about it? I think there was a general consensus. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were um, keeping the safety of our congregation in mind, the witness to the, the culture that's watching, how churches are dealing with this in mind. Um, we wanted to be loving to our neighbors and caring for the most vulnerable that are among us. Um, and we wanted to think about uh, what, it, what it meant to submit to our governing authorities um, in the midst of a pandemic. And so I think we were, we were thinking about those things. And uh, it seemed to me, at least, that we were pretty unified and wanted to, wanted to care for our people well yeah, yeah. in those ways. Yeah. Dave, similar perspective? Yeah, the one thing I'd add is just that the, the thing that uh, brought the most... I think thought and just uh, consideration was we really believe that it's a, a pretty big deal for the church to gather week in and week out. We think yeah. you know the, the the biblical word for church means gathering, and yeah. so we it, it's a big deal to us. We we believe it's important for our people's spiritual health, which means it's important for their emotional health and even their physical health in some ways. And so it, it was hard. Uh, in some ways, to balance those competing uh, factors, and, and you know, even even as uh, trying to weigh out what does it mean to neglect meeting together? You know, are, are we doing that? Should we be meeting? And, and I think that was one of the the textual places the elders wrestled some the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there were all kinds of different principles competing that we see in the scriptures, Yep. right? So, I mean, Romans 13 is obviously a big one that gets cited. Um, that in, just in general, what, what's in Romans 13 that by way of principle would point us towards, yeah, submit to your governing authorities, generally speaking, and even in Paul's own, you know, kind of world, what would that look like for him to, uh, you know, say to the Roman Christians, submit to your governing authorities, just what it what are some of the things that are there? Well, maybe I'll just read the first two verses because they, they come at you pretty strong. It says, uh, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So right away we see the sovereignty of God in who he's appointed in uh, the presidential office, which governors he's appointed. We just see God's hand in it. And then second, it says, therefore, because God has done this, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And so one of the, one of the principles of just submission to the authorities that God has put in place one of the, the ways the elders are trying to care for the church is we don't want to lead the church into judgment. We don't want to lead the church into mm-hmm. uh, a, a careless disobedience, unsubmissiveness to the authorities that God has put in place. And obviously there, there's nuances there. If, if, if the government suddenly told us to disobey what God calls us to obey or to disavow Christ or to worship someone other than the God that we believe in. Uh, obviously, the, the, there are points like in Acts 
and in Daniel where we see civil disobedience being an option, uh, we just, as we weighed out things, don't feel like that has happened yet. Yeah. Yeah, so it speaks to the Revelation 13 reality, and I'm constantly talking about Revelation. But I think one thing that's there is, and just the way the original readers of Revelation would have received that is, when any government authority becomes beastly, monstrous, raises its hand in rebellion against God about a particular area, then the saints are called to endure. So that's uh, just Revelation 13 talking about the beast there, which again, the original readers, I think, and I don't think we can necessarily, you know, uh, collapse all the reference there in Revelation 13 to just the Roman Empire in that day, et cetera. I think there is future aspects to that as well. But the saints would have received as this, that this was the Roman Empire, because it looked so much like that based on the imagery in Daniel. And so this is Revelation 13, verse 7, talking about the beast. It was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So in the picture of the, the government oppressing and calling for worship and disobedience to God, no, the saints are called to faith and endurance. And so that both the Romans 13 reality, like mm-hmm. let us render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's, it's the Revelation 13 reality, mm-hmm. that we, we seek to worship God mm-hmm. uh, and him alone. So, but Romans 13 and the commandments there certainly are... Uh, are, are weighty. And even as we think about other texts, what are some other texts in the scriptures that maybe shed some light on how we should relate to governing authorities? What else What else comes to mind? Well, I'm going to be preaching here in a couple of weeks on 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, where it just says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the empire, emperor as supreme or to governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Yeah. I mean, in context for Paul in Romans 13 and for Peter in First Peter 2, I mean, to talk about the emperor... You know, means we're, we're, we're looking ahead when they're writing to like Nero coming mm-hmm. and later others like Diocletian, which I think Revelation uh, points out. So maybe the Roman emperors in those days were not um, quite like they would be, but that was coming. Mm-hmm. And yet Paul and Peter both say, honor the emperor. Um, so uh, it's an interesting world. And I think the, the theological reality is. The, the kind of thought that there are two kingdoms and we're citizens of both. We're citizens of the heavenly kingdom and citizens of the earthly kingdom. And those overlap to some degree. And whenever the earthly kingdom contradicts God, we ought be the first to throw the flag and say, no, we'd obey God rather than, than man. What about, uh, so here's one to just, maybe we can talk about our, ourselves. So this is Matthew 5, 41. So um, this is in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is 
kind of his, um, so Jesus in Matthew, it's kind of pictured as a new Moses. Moses was on the mountain giving the law in Exodus, came down from the mountain. Jesus is on the mountain giving the law for his uh, heavenly citizens of this new kingdom that he's brought. And he says this in Matthew 5, 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And the word for forces there is, is super rare in the New Testament. The only other time we see it used is in the Matthew's account and Mark's account of Jesus' crucifixion, when Simon the Cyrene is forced, compelled, I think it's translated there in the ESV, to carry Jesus' cross. So the vast majority of commentators say that this refers to a particular Roman practice that others before them practiced, including like the Persian Empire, of kind of forced conscription of manual labor for carrying equipment. So because of the nature, it's super rare word, other things like that. What Jesus seems to say here, interestingly, and I think I'd look at this and say, man, this is an unjust law. <laughs> like, ain't, no, ain't nobody going to come by and tell me you need to carry, you know, my, uh, my pack for a mile. Like, no, I'm going to resist that. And Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two. So there's a kind of like, all right, whatever the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of earth you know, might be exactly in terms of how we delineate that. Jesus seems to say that when we see even unjust laws put forward, there's a way that the, the children of the kingdom ought step beyond, I think, for the sake of love and even seek to uh, uh, obey to the uttermost governing authorities um, when they're not asking us to sin. In different ways mm-hmm. so and i don't think anybody's saying like oh the current laws that we see being instituted around the united states well maybe some of them i mean we're seeing certain uh applications of law that are um you know taking rules and applying them differently to churches and other kinds of groups i mean certainly i think we can say that there are problems there but i think in general we'd look around and we'd say um you know even if we feel like these are unjust laws um, we're in general, the scriptures seem to say, pointed towards, man, we, we ought to obey the governing authorities mm-hmm. when they're not asking us to sin, mm-hmm. particularly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one text that uh, I would tease out. What else would we say in this area about uh, just the general principle of obeying the government or how we as Christians ought relate to the government? Anything else you guys would want to say here? Yeah, I think, I think you just said something that's helpful. You know, we've had... A few people, maybe more than a few people, just say or assume, you know, that that either our uh, our instituting guidelines means that we agree with every decision that's made, and we're just happy to go along and not think about it at all. Every decision, every made, decision by the made by the governor, yeah, yeah by the yeah. governor, by this yeah. emergency team that he has, and I mean, I I, I just try to not. Uh, say much about that at all, but just to, to lean where you didn't say, well, as long as they're not compelling us to sin, to disavow Christ, to not speak of Christ, to worship something else, to not pray, those kinds of things that we see in Daniel or Acts, uh, I think that the text would push us to a kind of uh, submission, even if we would do it differently if we were the governor. Um, and, and so I 
I, th I think it's been helpful. And one thing that's been helpful for me is, is I'm really grateful. There's been a couple of senators actually who have had phone calls with pastors in the area and just kind of picking their brains, even as I'm trying to work through it as a pastor of this church and saying, is this, you know, how are you feeling about it? Just to have them at every point say, you know, this isn't unconstitutional yet. And, and so we'd encourage you to, to try to, to follow along and keep getting your plans ready. And, you know, let's keep an eye on it together. It's even been helpful to kind of maybe have experts. Several of these senators are Christians. One of them is a former pastor. Experts kind of in both fields able to tell us, here's how we're interpreting what's happening right now. Even if we don't agree, yep. we wouldn't say it's yet unconstitutional. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So right now the current policy we have is we uh, encourage people to wear masks. We're asking that people wear masks mm -hmm. during singing. Yep. Nick, why, why is it important? Why do we, why do the elders, again, uh, last podcast we talked about um, you know, realms of biblical command and biblical wisdom. Mm hmm um, first, uh, do we th which of those two areas do we think mask wearing falls under? Is it a biblical command or biblical wisdom? Well, it seems to me that it's more in the wisdom category. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, the government is asking us to do it, and so insofar as we're seeking to submit to the government, we do we're following biblical commands. But I mean, even beyond that, we want to love our people. And there are people who um, are vulnerable, who might be wanting to come and join us and wouldn't feel comfortable doing so unless people have masks on. Um, you know, it's not like we're, we're, we're not saying that masks are going to stop any germs from spreading around the, uh, the building or anything like that. But we do think it will stop the big droplets of uh, virus carrying spit, I guess you could call it. Um, and so because of that, we just think it's wise that, yeah, we're going to wear masks when possible and ask people to do the same um, in order to protect the vulnerable among us and for those who may not feel comfortable coming. Um, and that, according to, I don't know, the best research that I've seen is especially true when we're singing because singing can project spit further uh, than just simple conversational talk. Yeah. And so, I mean, do is it fun to wear a mask when you sing? No, it's not. But we think it's wise and a reasonable thing to do to love our neighbors well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of two things here, that uh, one on the front end, one on the back end. So there is lots of research out there. But particularly the elders, I think, had a, a fair bit of conversation because there is... A uh, leader at another campus who actually works in this area, right? And sent around a study that mm -hmm. he commissioned long before was part of long before any of this came out. Just kind of like, yeah. The the reality is is that aerosol particles um, are propelled much farther mm -hmm. than anything else. And so it wasn't uh, you know we were reading articles out here and we were we were reading articles from all sides, but particularly I think that helped us. Like of all the things we're gonna do, we're gonna probably pick the the most cautious in this area now until such a time as, you know, it becomes clear that it's safe not to do it or just safe in general mm -hmm. as the um, community spread of COVID-19 kind of goes down. Um, but I think there's also on the back end, there's this, this other reality is um, we 
love the fact that people are coming and we want you to come mm-hmm. if you don't feel comfortable wearing a mask. Like, if you don't want to wear a mask um, or if um, for medical reasons um, that that's necessary, like, man, there is a place for conscience. It's just like, we, we want you to be among us. And we're asking out of what we feel is biblical wisdom at this point that you not sing mm-hmm. if you're not going to wear a mask. Not by way of, um, you know, anything other than we're trying to be cautious at this particular moment. Right. So we, uh, we love everyone in our body. And we do think, as, as you said, there is this kind of biblical command, this precedent, obey the government. Mm-hmm. Then downstream, there's wisdom. Yep. Right? And so we've got some freedom to just disagree over what that looks like. And the fact that people with disagreements... Uh, about what they would want to do or what they think is necessary or what they think is wise are all together in the same congregation worshiping Jesus in their hearts is an expression of the unity of the body of Christ I think so and I, I'm longing for the day <laughs> I think we all are when we don't feel like that needs to happen um, what do we think about um, any of the other aspects of a reopening, and maybe even from where we stand now, this is a few weeks into us meeting. What what's this going to look like in coming months? Are we expecting this to stay largely the same? Are we expecting to, uh, you know, not require some of these things or change the requirements? Um, what what would change or need to change for us to change our current practice? What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean that's a. That's a hard question. If you've been following it, there's there's things changing every day. Um, you can find articles that say different things every day. So I don't I don't even think I'd want to do much predicting, lest uh, someone listen to this podcast and nail me down too much. Uh, I, I'm 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 expecting that we'll we'll keep watching and keep trying to do what is reasonable to shepherd the whole flock in love. I think that's one important thing to consider. Uh, at least from a leadership perspective, as the elders have talked about it, you know, there there really are lots of different opinions about this. And so if you find some of what we're doing uh, not quite where you would land as an opinion, it's just good for us all to realize that there's a lot of different opinions out there. And so we really are trying to submit where the government's not asking us to sin, but also do it in the middle of the road kind of way where we're, where we're loving people from all perspectives. And, uh, and that's hard. That's hard with, with things that require wisdom, and it's hard with uh, people that develop strong opinions, which I'm all for, uh, developing strong opinions. Um, and I, I, the, the only thing I'd say, other thing I'd say is even as we move forward, we're not uh, trusting in our systems or in our reopening guidelines or in the governor like we really are prayerfully trusting the Lord asking him to keep our people safe asking him to give us wisdom asking him to grant unity by his spirit asking him to lead us every step of the way and so I I hope you know my prediction is just that we're going to keep on praying and seeking the Lord and sifting through as wisely as we know how and moment by moment week by week kind of going okay what's the best way to do this thing yeah and so I, I think I think it's just important to say you know we're not uh, we've had some people say you think you know maybe do you guys think you can stop all the germs well 
no, we don't. Uh, we, we recognize there's some risk, and we're just trusting the Lord with that. So just eager to keep, uh, and, and maybe the only other thing I'd say is, you know, as, as people have questions about why are you doing what you're doing, like we are, we're so open to just have those conversations yep, and yep. talk to people. Because uh, even some people who haven't read the guidelines as extensively, which I don't expect everyone to, might not know, for example, that we're singing, even though the guidelines would say, oh, we don't really want you to sing. So we're not just lockstep, uh, just doing whatever is said, something that we feel is that essential to being a body. We're going to go, well, yeah, we're going to do that, and we're going to be as careful as we can about how we do that. What so, about, what about um, so you said one thing in regards to opinions, right? We want people to have strong opinions. Yeah. And because we believe this is in the realm of biblical wisdom, there are texts like Romans 14 that really govern this. Like, uh, I don't remember what verse it is, or the phrase is it, let everyone be fully convinced mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in their own mind. What, what, does, that, what does that teach us uh, about this? And when we think about, yeah, genuinely, like, have, like, we can have real strong opinions about this. Mm -hmm. um, and Dave, you've alluded to, and I do, and I'm sure you do too, Nick. We've got opinions that maybe vary quite a bit from the guidelines that we're seeing and um, we're wanting to do what built is fit for building up so what is what is Romans 14 uh, kind of as we finish up our time here what does Romans 14 kind of shine a light on this reality with so Romans 14:5 says one person esteems one day is better than another while another esteems all days alike each one should be fully convinced in his own mind so if we think, COVID is a divide in the church. Uh, Jews and Gentiles coming together to be one new man would have been as big of a deal as, as COVID. And so uh, one person saying, well, no, we really need to, to hold to this day to honor the Lord from, from the old covenant. Someone else saying, no, all days are the same. We don't need to do that anymore. And we might expect Paul to say, well, well no, uh, do it this way. I'm going to give you the definitive answer. Instead, he says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. In verse 6, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. And then he, so I'm going to drop down to verse 10. So we have this Paul saying, like, whatever you're doing, be sure you're doing it as unto the Lord. That, that's how I want you to be convinced that this is a way to honor God. And within this church, we're going to have people who think that there's different ways to honor God. And we're calling them to that. And then in verse 10, he says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So even in the midst of having strong opinions, honoring the Lord with those strong opinions and how you act, He's still saying, but man, you'd be a fool to pass judgment on your brother or sister. Man, you'd be a fool to despise your brother or sister. And so this is getting back a little bit where we went with conscience a few episodes ago. Like, be convinced in your own mind. You think, you think masks are uh, the dumbest thing that's ever happened. That's great. Don't wear a mask in honor to the Lord. Uh, we hope that you weigh what we said about the government and all that and trying to be wise and, and submissive. And we're going to keep talking about that and inviting you to talk to us. And you think masks are really important and you won't come without one. And do that un to honor the Lord. And those two people at the most extreme ends, which by the way, most people are not 
that extreme. Most people are much closer in the middle. But, but even those extreme ends could come together and say, well, we're still going to come and worship the Lord together and, and give tons of grace and tons of room for you to disagree on this, this issue that is not of primary importance and love each other. And I actually think when we do that, it becomes an opportunity to display our deep unity in the gospel, not our deep unity in what we think about political policies. Uh, we don't want to be united by those things. We want to be united by Jesus. And this is an opportunity for us to display that, even when we disagree. Amen. Brothers, thanks for joining today. 